from Relay FM. This is Upgrade, episode 264. Today's show is brought to you by Text Expander from Smile, Samebox, and Zapier. My name is Mike Hurley. I am joined by Jason Snow. Hi, Jason Snow. Hi, Mike Hurley. How are you? I am fine and dandy, my friend. Fine and dandy, indeed. Uh, I'm in currently in Chicago. I'm in the. I'm recording from the small studio at the Cards Against Humanity office. I would like to thank Alex Cox and Cards Against Humanity for their help in uh, saving this episode of Upgrade because I am stranded. But nobody cares about that. Mm-hmm. Our hashtag Snail Talk question comes from a different Jason, and it's for you, Jason. Oh. What is your favorite game so far on Apple Arcade? That's tough. There are a lot of games out there for Apple Arcade. And I haven't played all of them, and I haven't played all of them thoroughly. But if I had to pick mm-hmm. one right now, it would probably be Mini Motorway because I love Mini yeah, I Metro you were so say much. It. Yep. I yep. have some quibbles with Mini Motorway. I actually think some of their because the the stuff gets the buildings get dropped down randomly, and I think it's a mistake that the when a big store gets dropped down that there's a hard coded um, entrance to the store. Because I've had it happen that it gets it gets dropped down and it's nowhere near anything and it's on and it's like inaccessible and it's very frustrating when stuff like that happens and uh, so I have some complaints but uh, I do like that game a lot. There are a bunch of others that I've been trying. I played I was playing Tint for a while yesterday, which is the sort of like watercolor game, which is I will admit a little harder for me to play because I have to focus on what the colors are and they should probably do something. They should probably make some options. So that you could change what the color mix is for people who have vision uh, color limitations, let's say. But that's also a fun uh, kind of mm. soothing puzzle puzzle game. But mini motorway for sure. Do you have a favorite yet? Uh, Sayonara Wild Hunts. Yeah, I have decided that I did not like playing it with the swipe interface. And I haven't paired a controller. What I really want to do is play it on an Apple TV. But we I'm going to get a controller for it. But let me tell you something that will make it easier to swipe in. Go into the settings and change the sensitivity. I saw that. I saw that it was, and, and I will try it with that setting because I have I changed the sensitivity, but I just I, I kept thinking to myself this does not feel like a swiping game, but you know maybe. Yeah, this is definitely. I haven't played it with a controller yet, but I can feel like it will be better with a controller. So I'm going to be getting on that when I finally get back home again, which hopefully will be today. If you would like to send in a question uh, to open the show, just send out a tweet with the hashtag SnellTalk, and yours may be included for a future show. But we start today's episode with some follow-up. So we've been talking a little bit about the potential for Apple to be creating a like a kind of tracking device, right, using especially the U1 chip in the new iPhones. Uh, Mac Rumors has shown some evidence of a product so that's called it Apple Tags, which I don't like that name, but we'll call it that for now. Uh, they've obtained screenshots that show a new tab in Find My called Items. It replaces like the account tab that's currently in there. And you can, and the screenshots that they've shown, you can click on it and it shows those little icons of like a suitcase and a bicycle. And there's some text which they have obtained in a screenshot which says, keep track of everyday items. Tag your everyday items with B389 and never lose them again. Huh. Uh, I prefer the name Apple Tag to be 389 but you know whatever apple wants to go with i suppose it could be like your fun uh, like a droid like uh beep boop yeah. everybody i'm b389 and i can find your stuff for you beep boop yeah, yeah that would be actually be pretty amazing if they want to build a character called b389 but uh, i don't think that's the way apple's going to go this is clearly the code name while it's in development yeah. uh so you know this is one of those things where it's like yeah i believe these screenshots are real because the, there's a lot of smoke for this fire right now but um it doesn't necessarily mean that anything's coming anytime soon i think what we know for sure is that apple has had a plan to do this product i think what mm-hmm. we don't know 
since it didn't get announced is, are they still making this product? Or yes, did something exactly. happen and, and they're like, you know what, we're not going to do it. We're, let's just kill it. And that that is a possibility. Like, we don't have, until it ships, it's just as likely that, uh, you know, the, the debate isn't not whether it existed or not. The debate is, does it still exist or did they kill it? Is it delayed or is it dead? Because the evidence would be the same in both cases. So I hope it is just delayed. Uh, we were talking a little bit about um, the potential for bilateral charging and what may have happened there, right? So being able to use charging on one device or to to let you charge other things. So using your iPhone to let you charge your AirPods. Uh, iFixit have done their teardown of the iPhone 11 Pro. And this is no confirmation. Like they themselves kind of can't confirm it. But there seems to be some boards and wires which could potentially have been intended to be used for bilateral Mm -hmm. charging again they say it could be used for this or that but there seems to be the possibility that this may have been uh, intended to be included um, or for real conspiracy theorists is included and could be uh, turned on with a software update but it does at least seem from their perspective that there is a possibility that this was actually built into the hardware at some point if not already in there so who knows this is such a gentle bit of discovery like they're Mm -hmm. really kind of shrugging and the pressure and the interest in their teardown was so much about this particular feature because this was the thought that this was a late removal and that it might have hardware evidence Um, and the fact that they can't come out and say yep this is definitely it i it makes me wonder, like, are we trying a little too hard to find this thing that may or may not exist? Um, yes. Also, I will just, I, I'm going to say it again, and I think I've said it before. So uh, uh, I'm not sure bilateral, bilateral charging is a very interesting feature. Personally, I don't think it's that interesting because how slow, how inefficient this stuff is. Um, I get that it might be, you know, a fun feature and could charge an AirPods case or something like that. But and I, and I can see the argument that AirPods or a second device or maybe even an Apple Watch in certain circumstances, if you had the you know if they were compatible, um, face down, plugged in, and then charging something else overnight from the phone. But you know it, it seems like a stretch to me. This whole thing, and when I've seen the Samsung ads with it, where it's like, oh, this guy needs power. Oh, the lady in the cafe has a phone that can charge his phone. Yay. And they touch their phones together. It's great. And then they don't cut to like an hour later where he's gained 2% on his battery. Uh, and she's like, I, I need to go, dude. And he's like, no. Right? Like, I don't think it's that great a feature, honestly. So just the way it works, it's not in, it's not efficient and it's stealing your battery. And, you know, I don't think it's a big deal. That it's not there. It's not the biggest deal, no. It's not the biggest deal at all. It would have just been... A, it was really kind of looking nice to have, but the amount of times it would sure. probably use it is slim. Yeah. Uh, but it was at least... Could have been at least a feature in a phone that... We can get to this later on. We're going to be talking... We're kind of doing our review today of the uh, 11 Pro, mostly. Um, it was a phone that maybe didn't have a lot of, like, features. Yeah, it would and be this a, would have been another one. addition to the feature list, and it's not there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, and we've been raising money all month, and we'll get to that in a moment, um, to help St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. They assist with organizations and other people all around the world, and they're committed to transforming cancer care with the goal of curing at least 60% of children worldwide with six of the most common cancers by 2030. That is a huge goal. And with your support, you can help St. Jude stay true to its life-saving mission, finding cures and saving children. Donate to support childhood cancer around the world at stjude.org slash pineapple that is stjude.org slash pineapple so we have raised now over a quarter of a million dollars good job nerds uh it gives me goosebumps to say that um i wished this was an explicit show right now so i could tell you how i truly feel about this because non-curse words are not helping me (laughs) to explain Mm. how much this means to me Um, it really is like, I don't have language that I can give to you to explain how I truly feel about the generosity that Relay FM and its listeners, uh, have been able to show for this. We wanted to raise $75,000. We've raised a quarter of a million. We have raised an amount of money that like, it makes a significant difference to the hospital. Like it's significant. Um, so a lot we raised um, we raised about sixty thousand dollars a few days ago uh, during the podcastathon. So we were talking about this, the Relay FM podcastathon for St Jude. Um, if you are unable to catch it for any reason, uh, we have a couple of ways that you can. We've posted the entire video. Uh, it is a long video, right? It's like six hours, but it really was a ton of fun. Uh, Jason put together a family feud event. If you hadn't seen that, then you should, because that was wonderful, and it gave us a nice break, which we were very right. thankful for. Um, and there's, we've also put the audio up as well, if that's your bag, but I do really recommend, if you want to uh, enjoy this content, to watch it, um, because there's a lot of hijinks that are mostly visual. Uh, but it was an incredible event, and, and I was blown away by the amount of people that were watching and were engaged, and uh, St. Jude were really excited about it too. So uh, it was really just a wonderful, wonderful event, but it helped push us to the level that we're at right now, which is just over $250,000. So from the bottom of my heart, I thank you for making this such an incredible success for us. Yep, absolutely. Well, it's just unbelievable. I'm, I'm really blown away by it. it just it's... Very, very touching. Very touching. Should we do some upstream news, Jason? Yeah, that sounds good. We <laughs> we, we predicted it. Uh, NBC, their streaming service, is going to be called Peacock. Peacock. We were so close with Peacock yeah. Plus, which was I, the name that we lovingly gave. Maybe the ad-free tier will be Peacock Plus. I'm still holding out hope. I, it's, I mean, they are doing tiers, so maybe, right? Like, maybe that's what we're going to do. It's NBC Universal. Yep. Um, They made a bunch of announcements. They're going to be rebooting a bunch of uh, shows. The ones that they're given the most detail on are... there's like a, a Battlestar Galactica from Sam Esmail from uh, who created Mr. Robot. It's yeah. going to be a Saved by the Bell and Punky Brewster reboots. Uh, there's going to be a uh, there's a show from Mike Schur and Ed Helms, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so there's like a bunch of stuff going on, and of course they have huge catalog shows, including The Office, Thirty Rock, Frasier, SNL. I will tell you, Jason, when they published their like this is our catalog, I was like. Okay. Yeah. Right? Like, okay, NBC. Like, if you want to give that to me, I'll probably throw some money away. Especially on an FTX, or it could be pretty cheap, right? Like, it, you know, it, it probably won't be too bad for that. It's unclear long-term what their international um, 
strategy is going to be. They say they will yeah. have one, but it's it's literally like yes, there will be one, and that's all they're saying. But keep in mind, NBC Universal owned by Comcast, the cable TV giant in America, and so their business model is a little different. So one of the things they're going to do is like if you have Comcast, which I actually do, you get Peacock. Like it's it's in there. I think basically what they're going for with this is it's free with a cable login because they like you to have cable TV. And then if you don't have a cable login, you can pay for it. And then either way, I think if you pay a little if you pay extra, you can get it without ads. But by default, it will be with ads because that's the business that they're in is the advertising business. But, you know, as I say, like an advertising support streaming service might be pretty cheap. I mean, it's up to you whether you, you want to stomach that or not. But like that, that is definitely that is definitely an option. Yep. But they have a lot of great stuff. Um, uh, Apple have ordered a TV series based on a novel called The Mosquito Coast. It will star Justin Thoreau, and his uncle wrote the book. So yeah, I was going to say Apple's next thing. I was going to say the funny thing <laughs> is that his uncle wrote the book, uh, and uh, this was a movie with Harrison Ford back in the eighties. Mm. I want to say, but they're uh, they're going to make a, a. You know, here's the funny thing: movies are like short stories, and TV series are like novels, and yet. For the longest time, the only thing that really made sense was for a novel to be made into a movie. And then you lose a lot of the detail because it's a movie. It only runs a couple of hours. And what we're seeing in our modern era of streaming television and different kinds of ways of doing these uh, these shows and these and these movies and these miniseries that a lot of book adaptations are going or going back, if they got it adapted before, uh, to be turned into... Uh, miniseries because they get more time and it's going to fit better with the storytelling of the novel. I think uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. HBO Max has ex- secured exclusive domestic streaming rights to The Big Bang Theory for five years. Um, it's also going to be on TV as well, syndicated on TBS until 2020. This is all Warner Media, right? So Warner Media yeah. owns TBS. That's where it'll be on TV. And if you want it on streaming, it'll be on HBO Max. It is expected that this total deal including the TV and streaming stuff, is worth billions of dollars, which is, wow. Keep in mind, there is a price here because there's this, um, and we've we've mentioned this before, the people involved in Big Bang Theory, one of the ways that they get paid is based on syndication and streaming sales. And so as a result, what you can't do, and it's not legal to do this, you'll, you'll be sued if you do this, although they'll, they sometimes try, is, you know, Oh, HBO Max has bought it from Warner Media for a dollar, right? And they're like, "Sorry, everybody who had who had profit participation or who had uh, who had uh, royalties based on uh, on a percentage of syndication sales, it only sold for a dollar. They can't do that, so they have to have it be at least you know to a certain degree bid on by various streaming services, and this has happened with other shows as well. Uh, but in the end. Uh, the the truth of it is that the money being bid isn't the same because the money that Netflix bids for the Bing Bang Theory is going to be um, money that it transfers from Netflix to Warner. The money mm-hmm. that Warner bids for the Big Bang Theory is money that it pays itself. And so it's always going to win those deals. It's always yep. going to be the highest bidder. And so that's what you see with something like this. Um, the uh, Somebody asked on uh, Twitter why cbs would let the big bang theory go because this is a cbs show but the fact is it's produced by warner this is one of the reasons why networks cancel most shows that are not produced by themselves by the way this is a great example of that because while big bang theory was very very good for cbs they didn't own it 
which meant that ultimately Warner is the owner and can walk away and make huge amounts of money in syndication and then selling it to streaming. So once the show went off the air, which it finished in uh, this spring, uh, CBS is basically no longer a participant in the airing of Big Bang Theory. And so it will disappear or has already disappeared from like CBS's streaming service and things like that. So that's part of it. Uh, the other angle that's fascinating here is we've been talking about like the intelligence of uh, like uh, what do we have as a brand at Warner Media? And it's like, well, we have HBO. It's probably smart to use HBO. So they created HBO Max, which is going to be their streaming service. However, this deal calls out how HBO Max is not HBO, right? Because this is a very traditional multi-camera laugh track sitcom that was on network TV. And uh, somebody, I think maybe it was Ben Thompson, but somebody uh, last week pointed out the longtime strategy for HBO was it's not TV. It's HBO. But what this deal shows is HBO Max, it's TV. <laughs> That's just it. They have a streaming service to sell now. It's not prestige. It's not your prestige television you once knew and loved. So they're going to lose some of that cachet on the HBO brand. Even if HBO proper stays this way, uh, they're going to lose some of that. And I'm just going to put it out here. I'm not saying it's going to be successful, but I think this is what Apple's trying to be. I think Apple's trying right. to be HBO. Like as we knew it, yes, and just be those those premium, high concept, big name. Not too many, but they're all going to be big swings for critical success and popular success. But like prestige, and if HBO kind of has to abandon that in order to fulfill Warner Media's needs to be huge, um, you know, maybe there is a a shot that Apple could take at fulfilling that kind of. Um, that kind of thing and being a different kind of streaming service that's not having to be all things to all people like uh, HBO Max clearly has to be. Yeah, I mean, let's not forget as well, the Big Bang Theory is like the most popular show in America. Like, if you get the opportunity to put it in your streaming service, you put it on your streaming service because people will want it. Yep. You know, it's a selling point. Uh, you had some follow-up about Seinfeld. Uh, yeah, we had a, we got a note from somebody that was a very smart note. Um, we were like, why would Sony do this? Uh, when and the answer is it doesn't have a streaming service and so it's just selling it to other people and they'll regret it later. And and this uh, a letter writer pointed out Seinfeld actually has a very complex ownership. Sony is only the distributor of Seinfeld. It's not the owner of Seinfeld, and so it gets paid as kind of an agent. Uh, it gets to pay take a percentage of what it sells. But Seinfeld's actually owned by a complex series of owners, including Castle Rock, including Seinfeld, uh, Jerry Seinfeld, including Larry David. Um, Warner Media actually has a. P of Seinfeld. Um, so it's a it's a unique well, I mean, I'm sure there are other examples, but it's it's different in that it's not just a product of a monolithic corporation where it like Big Bang Theory, it's like, well, you know what? We're we own it and we're gonna we're gonna use it as an asset or the office or something like that. It's Seinfeld is more complicated than that. And so Sony's not in a position where they own it and they just want to kind of hoard it for whatever they're doing because that's not actually their job in that case. They're just acting as a distributor. And finally, uh, Oprah's Book Club is going to be premiering on Apple TV Plus on November 1st. There will be new episodes every two months. Uh, the book club books that will be selected will be available in the book app in both 
uh, ebook form and audiobook form. And for every book sold, Apple will be making a contribution to the American Library Association. So this is part of the huge deal they have with Oprah. Uh, this is one of the things that she announced would be happening when they brought her out um, during the streaming event, uh, that the book club would be returning, um, and there's going to be a new episode every couple of months, I guess, so that gives you enough time to read the previous book. So that will be an Apple TV Plus show, and the first episode will be there on launch day. Yeah. All right. Today's episode is brought to you by Zapier. Growing a business is a tricky thing, especially when you're spending hours and hours every single day moving data from emails to spreadsheets to wherever else. Wouldn't it be easy if all these things just worked together without you needing to lift a finger? Zapier is the easiest way to automate your work. It connects all of your business software and handles work for you so you can focus on the things that matter most to you. You don't need to waste any more time on tasks that you know could be automated because that's what Zapier was built to do and it lets you do it easily. So if you work in sales, for example, Zapier could let you instantly engage with leads and send them to a CRM tool or a spreadsheet and then notify your team so they can act fast on every opportunity. But whatever your business, you can build the exact solution you need in minutes without writing code or needing to ask a developer for help. And with support for more than 1,500 business applications, it's no wonder that more than 4.5 million people are saving 40 hours a month using Zapier. So, at the beginning of this show, we have a hashtag snow talk. And at the end of the show, we have hashtag ask upgrade. Those tweets are collected for me by Zapier and put into a Google sheet. I've been doing this for years, so I don't have to search for everything. And also I can set it up to have just the fields that I need. So with Zapier, I can get the person's name from their Twitter account and the tweet and a link. And they, I can choose to just have those things dropped into a Google sheet and then they're available for me whenever I need them. I would be lost without Zapier for this. It's like I have I use Zapier for tons of things, but just to collect these tweets is something that's super important for me. It saves me so much time than having to go and do the searches and copy and paste and write the name and all that kind of nonsense. Zapier makes it easy. Right now through November, you can try Zapier for free by going to this special URL, zapier.com slash upgrade. That's Z-A-P-I-E-R dot com slash upgrade for your 14 day free trial. Go there right now, check it out. It's gonna save you a ton of time. That's zapier.com slash upgrade. Our thanks to Zapier for their support of this show and Relay FM. It is time to review the iPhone 11. Um, I only have the Pro. I know okay. that you have... All of them. What do you have? All you have all the great the phones. phones. All the great phones, yes. So I guess really just for the sake of clarity, we'll probably be focusing more on the 11 Pro, but a lot of this stuff counts for both, right? I mean, they're very similar in most respects, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's really, there isn't a lot of differences. But I, just just for the sake of just clarity, because that's, uh, that's what I have. And I, it's probably what I'm assuming you've been using most would be the smaller one, right? You'd be using the regular Pro? Yeah, and that's, that's the one that I bought is the regular Pro. So, right. but I've been, but I've used all three. What ones do you have? What colors do you have? What are the finishes? Oh, I mean, I bought Space Gray and all the um, phones I got from Apple for review units are Space Gray and white. So they're boring. Mm. I saw the white today, though, because uh, Alex Cox, friend of the show, uh, who's helping me today with, this, with recording this episode, uh, they have a white one. And I thought it was really nice. Um, it's actually... It's actually white this time on the back rather than silver when you look at it. It's like got much more of a white look. It is. Um, unlike the the sort of silver um, pro that looks 
sort of white, but is also sort of silver. Jamie's is purple. Um, my daughter's right. uh, college phone is purple, and it is uh, very pretty. Very nice looking. I need to say that I was wrong. I have the green. It was uh, given to me uh, by Stephen during the podcast-a-thon. Huh. Uh, he surprised me with the green. And I absolutely love the green, the midnight green. Um, this is going to be my color. I was really surprised about it. It does not look as green as I thought it did. It doesn't look as green as in Apple's photos. A lot of the time, it looks gray to me, not green. Yes. But, but more gray than the space gray. Like, it's like space gray is more towards black. This is more towards a lighter gray. Um, I And I really love the green kind of stainless steel around it. I was totally wrong. I apologize. And I, I'm hashtag green club. <sighs> okay. I don't know if that was, I mean... Was it a big thing that you didn't like the green? Anyway, I made I made a point of it on this show and then every other show I recorded since. So I'm starting my apology tour right now. My briefing at Apple was with um, I was there with Roman Loyola from MacWorld, and um, Roman and I are both colorblind. Perfect. And it was amazing because we put the space gray and the green next to each other and we stood from like 10 different angles and he never could tell the difference. And I had one angle where I could tell the difference and then I never got that angle back. All the other angles, every other attempt I made, they looked exactly the same to me. I am not colorblind and I could even struggle with it. Though, well, yeah. Right. This so is what it must I'm have saying. been extremely it's, difficult it's for super, you. It's subtle. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's very subtle. It's a very subtle green. Um, the texture on the back is nice. Uh, I don't know why in my mind I assumed that a matte glass texture would add more grip, but it definitely does not do that. Uh, but I do like the way it looks. I love, I am a big, big fan of the um, the difference where the camera bump is. Like, I really like that it goes matte to glossy. Mm-hmm. I actually think that there's a part of me that's like, you know what? I give props to Apple on this one because they 100% have embraced something which is objectively ugly they embraced it and i think have actually improved the look by doing that because they made it something like they made it a design element even though in theory it is an ugly thing so i actually kind of like it i'm used to it as is always i've gotten used to it and now i'm appreciating the parts of it that i appreciate yeah i think the problem with all the industrial design on these phones though is that they are beautiful objects of their own right but they're also beautiful, beautiful, breakable glass objects. And that means mm-hmm. that most people use them in cases. And yes. this is the problem is that they're beautiful objects. And uh, up until the iPhone 8, I used my phone without a case. But this design is slippery. And so I want to have a case on it. And the problem there is that... Um, then you're looking at the case more than you're looking at the object. Because, like, I have, once again, I have bought a midnight blue leather iPhone case, and it's great, and I love it, and it looks good. But it does completely hide, other than the little bit of the uh, stainless that's at the bottom. (laughs) And the front face, which is basically black and blank, it hides that beautiful design. And and you can see the the camera bump, which is nice, but that's it. So, I mean, this is the problem. And I know that um, a lot of people have been trying, including Alex. You mentioned Alex. I know they had a problem with this, too. Like, the clear case. Not uh, A lot of people not, not liking the clear it case because it's, uh, it, so it's kind of slippery. I mean, the good news, bad news is clear case, slippery. Good news is if you drop your phone in the clear case, it's in a case. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, 
Yeah, we'll see. Jamie's got a clear case, and we'll see how she does it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to live with it. It's super slippery. I don't have a pop socket on yet. I think that will help, because that is how I tend to grip my phone anyway. Uh. Um, I will report back. I mean, this could be a complete placebo thing, but I think the case is getting grippier now that I'm using it. Um, but I mean, that that definitely happens with the silicone cases. I have no idea if it's actually going to happen with this clear case. Maybe my maybe I'm just getting used to how I hold this phone with its slippery nature. Um, but I like that I can see the color of my phone. Like, that's what I wanted. So I'm going to keep trying it out. Then you're going to cover part of it up with the pop socket. Only the logo. Like, it's fine. It's totally fine. I see the rest of it. It's, it's pop socket small. It's a small thing. Uh, we have a long history on this show of talking about what it's like to set up new iPhones. Yes. And I wanted to touch on a brand new setup option called Direct Transfer because that's what I did when setting up this phone. So can I walk you through what, what happened to me here? I don't know if you if you tried this, but I just want to talk to you about my experience a little bit, Jason. Okay. So um, I I set up my phone the night of the podcast-a-thon. So like, I didn't because that was when I was given it by Stephen. Uh, so I, I, I wasn't going to spend a ton of time playing with it. I was just going to start it going before I went to sleep. I was in a hotel, right? And so I figured, all right, I'll set it up before I go to bed, and then maybe the iCloud Restore will be done by the morning. So as I'm setting up the new phone, I did that thing, which I love now, right, where you take the uh, the new phone and you scan it basically against the old phone using that like Apple Watchy-like thing through the camera, yeah. right? And it transfers a bunch of settings over. And then I was just given the option... Like, do you want to do direct transfer? And it said to me, this will take 90 minutes. Or would you like to do an iCloud restore? You'll be able to use it basically immediately, but everything gets downloaded from the cloud. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking to myself, I'm on hotel Wi-Fi right now. Right. So I went with the direct route. So what I did, I was going to bed and I set them both up and left them because both phones are unusable during this period of time, mm-hmm. right? Like while they're doing whatever it is they're doing. So I plugged them both in, put them down. When I woke up in the morning, everything was set. Like I cannot believe how easy this was. I There was like a bunch of applications, like my email app, like so I use Spark. All of my accounts were set. Slack, even uh, account, Slack accounts with two-factor authentication, all set. Like one password, didn't need to enter in anything. There were a few apps that I needed to kind of reset up, like all my banking apps and stuff, but I kind of expected that because they're like really harsh on security. I don't exactly know how this transfer process works, but it reminds me of the encrypted iTunes backup, right? Mm. Where like whatever it's doing, it's just it's basically like transferring the state from one phone to another. So I stay logged into yeah, everything. I, so I think this is a great feature. I think that the strongest things about it are if you're on unreliable or slow or metered internet access, Apple's old approach was very much like, unless you were tethered to a computer and doing an iTunes backup, you got to download it all from the cloud. And what if that takes forever? What if you get charged a fortune for downloading it from the cloud? What if you can't, for whatever reason, like being in a hotel with bad Wi-Fi, uh, rely on your internet connection? Um, I think that I think that's all great, and you can do it. Uh, you can do it via wireless, or you can actually plug in a cable <laughs> and do it. Believe it or not. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's if you. I, I don't think it goes faster if you have a cable. It's just like in case you have like really bad Wi-Fi. Yeah. So um, well, and I think it's. I think it's using direct Wi-Fi. I think they're talking to each other. I think. Uh, oh, interesting. I, I, yeah. Okay. So so that's all. That's all good. Um, I, when I do cloud backups these days, it's much better than it used to be about asking for passwords. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for, for the big thing is so it takes longer if you've got a lot of files on your phone if you've got a large phone. 
Um, but what you do get is some stuff that doesn't like uh, if you've got a lot of music, it'll transfer the music. You know, and it'll I hate transfer that those iCloud, files. When you do it by iCloud, it doesn't do it. You have to re-download, you have to all, re-download your music all your again. music. Yeah, exactly right. So there's there's stuff like that that is an advantage of doing it, even though it takes longer. I did it on one of the devices. I think I did it from my phone um, that I got on Friday, not the review units, but the one that I bought. And it took about an hour, but you're right. It was pretty easy. I mean, the advantage of doing the iCloud transfer is you do get your phone back um, after 15 minutes and it's partially non-functional and it gradually becomes functional over time and you have to force download things and stuff like that. But it's, it's, uh, if you need to use your phone in the next hour, it's a better option. But if you want to do the full transfer, maybe overnight, it, I, I think they've done a good job with this feature. I think it needs to get better. I had the experience where I began the transfer and my new phone was setting up and the old phone, I realized I was going to have to switch the SIM out of one to the other. Mm-hmm. So I took it out of its case and the act of taking it out of its case depressed the sleep button just momentarily put the phone to mm-hmm. sleep. And so I woke it right back up and it said, oh, uh, you canceled. I, oh, this, this failed. Worse, the other phone stepped, continued to prepare for about 20 minutes and then mm, stepped me through okay. a whole setup process. And then as soon as it reached the last question of the setup process, it said, oh, the other device canceled. Therefore, you need to... And, and it was one of those things where you're in one of these kind of step-by-step wizard things um, where there was no way out. Like, you couldn't go back okay. or forward. All you could do is wipe the phone completely and start again. And I thought, okay, a few things going on. Like, a good first try, but the transfer needs to be more resilient. That better. You need yeah. to be able to pick it up <laughs> yep. if you lose it temporarily and say, oh, no, no, I found it again. Here's that phone again. Um, you know, it just, and, and if you are in that process and you lose connection with the other device, you should notice it immediately and not wait 20 minutes before asking you again. So there well, what are it issues say is this. like, it just pauses it and it's like, get the other device back and going again, right? right. Like something, you know, and then it resumes. Like yes. That, also that's what pushing it should be doing. a button inadvertently should not cancel the transfer. No, that's 100% it should <laughs> right? not. Because so many people would think, oh, my screen's on, I'll turn the screen off. But that all said... Right? Since we've been doing this show, so it can't be more than five years, and I'm not sure, I think it was maybe four years ago that we did that episode where we talked about how the act of buying a new iPhone, which should be so pleasurable, gets kind of beaten down because it's so unpleasant to do the transfer of your data and your passwords and all of that. And Apple has made sense, and we're not taking credit for it, I'm using it as a milestone, like, that was not great. And in the intervening four years, Apple has done... A huge amount of work yeah. to Every make this year, better. They have added something significant to make the process better. Yeah, and this is the, right. this is the thing they added this year, and it's good. It it needs to be better, but it's good because this is one of those things that Android has had that Apple has just not had on 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 the iPhones. Of like, could I just plug one into another, or just let them shoot over their local Wi-Fi? Just transfer all my data without having to go to the cloud especially if you're like i said slow internet metered no internet whatever like shouldn't need it shouldn't need the internet all my data is on that phone and this feature does that so i you know it's got issues but i love that apple keeps making strides about making it easy to set up uh, a new iphone and transfer all your data 
Um, let's start talking about some of the features of the of the Pro phones. Uh, one of them, uh, before we get to the big one, uh, we'll talk about battery life a little bit. So, I mean, I've been using this phone while traveling, um, and I will say I don't have numbers. I can't give you exact numbers, but it is very solid. Like, this phone is lasting noticeably longer than my XS Max. Like, I am very impressed by the battery life of this phone. You know, like, I can tell you that I can give you, like, my battery statistics, right, if you if people would want them. But I can tell you anecdotally that it is lasting. It's it's doing a great job. Um, like, in the last 24 hours, you know, I had five and a half hours of screen time, and my phone never dipped below 50%, right? Like, it's very, very solid. Like, I am I'm a big, big fan uh, of the battery life on this thing. I think that it... it it is definitely approaching a level at which I would feel I could I could travel with it and not be freaking out, which is how I am because I don't have a battery case, right? I've been using my 10s Max of a battery case for when I'm doing things like today. Like today, I'm leaving Chicago at like 11:30 p.m. and I'm totally I'm feeling totally fine about my phone. It's like one o'clock now. I have 75% battery mm-hmm. life left, and I've been using it all morning and doing all kinds of stuff, listening to podcasts, watching videos, ordering lifts talking to people right making phone calls like i've been using my phone a lot today um and i'm i'm really pleased with the battery life i think that it's very very good i'm I'm, that addition like five hours if that's what it is right like you're going to notice that um and whilst i've not been sitting with a number spreadsheet recording all of my times i can tell you that like this battery life is better because i'm noticing it i'm surprised when i see the little battery indicator and how full it is at different times of the day yeah and keep in mind too that when you're down at 33 percent battery that means you know more hours than it used to because the whole life is longer so yeah yeah, it is. Um, I feel like there are two key features when you're thinking of upgrading your smartphone and their battery life and camera. And you got to give it to Apple. Like, those are the two features that they iterated primarily this time. And mm-hmm. those, are the, those are the right features. Like, And this is a huge leap. Like, it, they have found a way to extend by many hours the battery life of these phones through adding battery capacity and making the processor more efficient and making the screen more efficient and making other components more efficient. Like they did lots of stuff and it is, I think maybe doesn't get enough credit for being the single biggest uh, leap in battery quoted battery life that the iPhone has ever had. Which is, you know, astounding wild that it's happening now whilst everything's getting so much more powerful mm-hmm. uh, but shows the work that apple's doing in a bunch of areas to enable it right and so like hats off to them that this is a wonderful feature but i don't expect to get it next year <laughs> I, I don't expect this to keep happening um so let's talk about the camera so just as like a kind of a very quick overview uh, there are a bunch of different things going on here the cat the pro line now have three lenses a, the regular wide angle, the telephoto that this has for years, and also an ultra wide. Uh, there is uh, upgrades to the selfie camera, so the front facing camera, and then also night mode. Um, what are your overall thoughts on the cameras that are, that are in the Pro phones? My big problem with the 10R was that it doesn't let me zoom. And of course, the 11 doesn't let me zoom either. So I, I like having the Pro phone that's got the telephoto lens because I use that all the time. But having the ultra wide is fun. I haven't really had uh, enough experience yet with the sort of uh 
you know, seeing around the edges and backing up or cropping wider or any of those kind of features that are, that are there where the wide it, kind of I've had takes it happen. Over. So yeah. I, I turned it on, right, you know, that you can, and, and I took a picture and there was a little icon that I didn't understand. It yeah. was like a, a square with a star with a star, in it. Like, yeah. What does this mean? Like, it, and I couldn't tap on it or anything, but I figured what it was telling me was this feature, right? And then when I went into edit and crop, I could zoom out. So yeah. I've heard that um, everybody that wrote their reviews said, like, in, this is going to be improved in 13.1. Um, and maybe, I don't know, maybe it's turned on automatically. So it's actually something you have to enable in settings right now on, on the on the current, on 13. Yeah. Um, so maybe maybe in 13.1 it's enabled by default and, and or is made a little bit clearer. But it seems like that's something that's not working very well right now, but I have seen it work. It's interesting. It's a work in progress. Um, but, and there are camera features that aren't even in 13.1 so like there's there's the more sweater to come. mode or whatever it's called what is it called deep sweater deep sweater <laughs> i've been using night mode a lot though and that has been that has been fun because it's nice to have that on i had that before just on the pixel the original pixel which is okay but like on really a, a much better camera on this iphone and being able to take those shots out in the twilight uh pretty nice the night mode is wild like i still have to do more testing myself right because i really want to try the uh putting it on a tripod some of the shots that i've seen of the like even the one that you took just i think it, i think it might have been handheld just in the street and you yeah. can see the stars in the sky mm-hmm. but like i've seen people like what people have been able to do with it on a tripod when you can get like the 29 second uh the exposure time like i love the i love everything about this feature i love the way that the photos look like they're developing in front of you it's like right. a be- just like a very beautiful user experience and that's also the feedback to continue to hold your phone steady right like exactly. it's a very clever construction where they're animating that process of the of the photo brightening in as a way to give you feedback that you need to keep on holding still it's very uh, clever and kind of elegantly built mm-hmm. i think and I have noticed that even though the phone a lot will, will like suggest an exposure time to you, if you tap the little night mode thing, a lot of the times you can actually extend it. Yep. Like it will let you do it for longer, but it but you know you're maybe not going to get as steady looking a shot. But like you can play around with it if you want to, and uh, like we were playing around with this on the podcastathon, and the result that we got like that's in that video is wild because we turned all the lights off and there were just two lights from laptops. There was two laptop screens illuminating me and the photo that it took was crazy. Like you could still see like colors. It was wild. It was just really wild. Right. And like everything that I've seen of this is like, this is just like a fun thing to play around with. And that's my kind of overall takeaway from the new camera system. I think it is really fun to have new ways to take photos. I consider that like a real like joy because I'm having a lot of fun experimenting right now with taking ultra wide photos as well. Like I don't fully know when I should be using the ultra wide camera over the wide. So right now, whenever I'm taking a photo, I take both and compare them and then I can kind of learn when is this a good thing to use and when is it not. Um, so that's been like a lot of fun for me so far, like to kind of tinker around and see what different kind of effect I get from each lens. So, I, I, you know, I encourage people to do the same thing. Um, I really like that 
portrait mode, you know, you get the lens options now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can use either the telephoto for portrait or the, or the regular wide angle for portrait. That's really good because you get completely different effects and that's awesome. The selfie camera is so greatly improved. The detail you get now, I'm so pleased that they've made the, the upgrade there that they have. And I really like that you can get the wide angle in now as too. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I I'm really uh, enjoying this. I will say that like there's been a lot in all of the reviews that I read. Everyone's saying that you know like well when you use when you're using video and you zoom between the cameras you barely notice a difference. I totally notice a difference yeah. between the lenses switching. Um, it's not like I mean, it's way better than before where it's like this snap. But as you're like zooming in and going from lens to lens, I see a little judder every time. Yeah, I've got an animated uh, a little animation on the um, six colors where mm-hmm. you can see it where i was just zooming out a little bit and right That's across the I boundary line you know the detail changes the color changes a little bit it's just apple talks a lot about how these are all calibrated and they match and 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 it's pretty seamless and in at least shooting video it is not seamless it is no. it's impressive but it's not even close to seamless so yeah that's what that's how i say it. it's like you know what this is pretty good but you can notice it so, you know, I don't know if maybe it's different for different people. Maybe me and you are just in the same boat, but we are definitely in the same boat. Um, I want to talk about 3D Touch. Okay. This is where the phone falls over for me a bit. I'm mm-hmm. a heavy 3D Touch user, and haptic touch is not as good. Uh, it is slower. It feels less intuitive. Interacting with notifications is so much clunkier now than it used to be. Um, like I would get a notification, press down and get the options immediately. Now I have to like, I have to wait every time. Um, like I would find myself, you know, in the mornings I would wake up and I'd have a bunch of notifications that I'd want to clear. Maybe there were emails or whatever and I just want to archive them. They used to take me seconds like now, like I noticed it this morning. I'm waiting for the notification to open and then press archive, press and wait and then press archive. The action to turn on the camera isn't as reliable. Like I've had times where I've pressed it and nothing's happened because you have to long press it, you should just tap that little icon now. It shouldn't be a long press anymore. Um, yeah. I know you can swipe the screen to bring up the camera, but sometimes if you have notifications, you open the notifications, like it's not consistent. Mm-hmm. I I hit on a feeling about it yesterday. This is a thing that makes my expensive phone feel a little less premium. Yeah, It has taken a step backwards, and it's made an experience I enjoy feel clunky and awkward it is literally a feature regression right you are getting the 10r experience now instead of the the uh, 10s experience on the 11 pro because it totally doesn't help that i have used the 10r right so like i know what it felt like before yeah which is why i think i'm really locked into this feeling of like i feel like i you've you've cheaped out on me here um but you know i really miss it i do really miss it it feels to me, like this is something that Apple could adjust in software and make better by do. targeting like haptic touch when it originally started wasn't quite right. And in iOS 13, haptic touch is a much more close analog to 3D touch in a lot of ways where it wasn't before. And that's good. But I feel like there are tweaks they can make and like not in iOS 14, there are tweaks they could make as 13 moves along even to make this a better experience because it doesn't feel like this needs to be rethought as much as they need some very specific scenarios where it works differently and on the lock screen for the camera and the flashlight is a good example um the 
I think the cursor movement stuff where you used to be able to three and who knows how many people did this, but you could 3D touch on the keyboard and you got a cursor and you can move it around. And now you have to tap and hold on the space bar and wait for that to be determined to be a long press. And then you can move the cursor around there. And, you know, there are probably ways that they can tweak timing and who knows, maybe even detect in other ways uh, ways of making this stuff feel a little more natural, but that's an example where it does feel like a regression. There's no doubt about it, and they can make it better, I think, than it is today. But you're right; it like if you're somebody who used 3D touch, even if it's only for a couple of gestures, and they're gone. Like I, I've seen a lot of people complaining about the cursor movement thing because it just becomes part of your muscle memory to move that cursor yeah. around with a 3D touch. That's, I think that's basically the only 3D touch thing I did on my phone, and it's gone. And I, every time I have to go, oh right, spacebar, wait, now I can move it around. And I, I don't know what the other options are. I kind of think that they should just use the iPad thing and let you put two fingers down on the keyboard. But mm. oh well. Face ID uh, still portrait only doesn't work in landscape so they they didn't do whatever they did for the ipad mm-hmm. uh, i would say it's like a little faster but i only noticed the speed difference when i put both phones next to each other i don't feel it on its own um and i would say like it doesn't work dramatically better at weird angles like being on the desk or whatever this really feels like minor updates to face id yeah. it's not big i tested this out with two phones with a, a 10s and with the 11 pro on a tabletop and I did the thing where, I mean, it was almost like um, doing a doing a sit-up or, ch- or testing your posture. I was like, you know, trying to unlock them. It's like, not, won't unlock, won't unlock, lean forward a little bit more, won't unlock, won't unlock, lean forward a little bit more. And then the uh, 11 Pro unlocked and the 10s didn't. And then I leaned slightly forward again and then the 10s unlocked. And so I, I thought to myself, okay, it is better but not in a way that anyone would notice. Yeah, that is exactly it. All right, it's like you can you can do speed tests of a stopwatch if you want, but like in your daily life, I don't think people are going to recognize too much of a difference here. Um, I want to see them keep making it better, but Face ID has not had its like Touch ID version two moment yet, and I think I was expecting that, and that has not happened. Um, maybe the you know it's better on the iPad than it is on the iPhone, which is weird. I don't. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, The screen, the Super Retina XDR screen. Um, I don't really know what to say about this. I will say uh, today uh, is a sunny day in Chicago. Yesterday was a very overcast and rainy day. And I do feel like the screen looked really good in bright sunlight. And I know that's what it's supposed to do. Like that's one of the bigger uh, benefits of this screen. Before then, I was like, I don't see any difference with the screen. But I did notice that it looked really good today when I was outside in bright sunlight better than my old phone. So I noticed that aside from that, I mean, I don't really have much experience with like the HDR content. I don't know if you've spent time looking at nice looking videos, but I don't. I don't know. It feels like a nice upgrade to the screen. I don't know if they needed to rebrand it. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. It's very much like what I could say about the Face ID thing, which is, is it better? I'm sure it is. Did I? Could I notice even when I was looking at a an HDR movie, uh, one next to the other? No, it's a good screen, and the sound is good. It's all good, um, and I'm sure it's incrementally better. 
But if you're coming, these are features that it's Apple pushing things forward, which is great. But unless you're coming from two or three years back, it's irrelevant. Because if you're coming from a year back, which some people are, most people aren't, it's it's not anything you'd notice. So it's an incremental feature that doesn't matter, I guess, compared to the camera and the battery, which are incremental features that really do matter. So, you know, it depends on whether you're reviewing this for somebody who's coming from last year's model or who wants to know, like, how Apple is pushing its devices forward versus what's the difference between this and my phone that's two or three years old, in which case it's a, a bigger deal. Although I would argue, like, the iPhone 10 screen and the and the 11 pro screen you know is there that big a difference even between those two yeah i don't know like if you're coming from a non-oled to an oled screen you'll you'll notice much more of a difference so like adina is going to be moving from a 10 to an 11 pro Mm -hmm. and i'm really keen to see what her experience is what does she pick out as the notable improvements because that should be a big jump for her and I'm keen to see what she notices and what she doesn't. So that, that I'm, I'm going to be paying attention to that. I would say that overall, I am happy with my phone and I love the new camera stuff. But I am finding myself thinking, all right, what else does this new phone do? And there isn't an answer. Like camera updates are a huge deal for a lot of people. And with the 11 Pro, they were a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Like the, the shots that I've gotten so far, I'm super happy with. And I've just kind of started scratching the surface. Like I'm sure as the weeks come on, go on, we're all going to have more to say about some of the photos that we're taking, right? As we're taking more photos in different conditions. But you have to really want a better camera for this phone to make sense to you over in a year or year, year over year upgrade, I think yes. is kind of my biggest takeaway. Um, or if you're somebody who who just desperately wants more battery. But there are there are much cheaper ways to solve your battery problem, right? Like you can buy a battery case from Apple if you're on a previous phone. Yeah, so yes. But that said, as somebody who doesn't I'm never gonna buy a battery case. And I do I have an external battery with a with a wire that I can carry around, you know, Alex Cox mm-hmm. style to, mm-hmm. to keep my phone <laughs> charged, right? Like I could do that. But I prefer not to. Um, and, yep. uh, you know, so for me, it's like, well, yeah, you could get another external device. Yeah, but if I don't have to, because my phone lasts four hours longer, that like puts off how long I need to go before I need to start thinking about having an emergency backup battery in place. That does that does matter. It doesn't it can't be solved in the same way. You know, you, you can't clamp another camera lens really on another native camera lens onto your iPhone after the fact like you can attach a battery but i do think that it is is still a big deal and it's more than just the lenses right apple's clearly changed the processing of these photos for sure, for in, sure. in these phones because yeah. the, there's i mean they said there's much but you can see the differences um so like i am a i am becoming more and more of a iphone photography person and i have in the last year like i'm enjoying taking more pictures and sharing them like especially on instagram like that has become a thing that has become a joy in my life so it makes perfect sense for me to want to get a better camera from my camera and like so i'm happy with my upgrade but you have to really want it you have to really want camera and and as jason rightly pointed out really want battery for this to make sense to you if that's not your thing i don't know if you need this phone but if those are your things this is huge upgrades to both of them so yeah yeah and most people don't need a new phone every year, bottom line. But some people are on a plan where they get a new phone every year. That's great. And some people just want the new f- phone, and that's fine. 
that's fine. These are where you're going to see the differences. In fact, I would argue as a year-over-year upgrade, this one's pretty great, especially for a third generation yes. thir- of the uh, of the 10. It's pretty great. And then on the 11 side of it, like the 11 is cheaper than the 10R. It's got most of the capabilities of the Pro models. One fewer camera. Like... And a very, very, very good display, even though it's not OLED. Like, that's the other part of this story, is that the 11 is a legitimate iPhone, a very good iPhone, for a lot, you know, cheaper than the $1,000 iPhone ten era that we're in and have been in for the last couple of years. So there's a lot to be said for that phone, too. And that's obviously that's the second generation of that phone. <laughs> but... Um, so th- there's a lot of good stuff going on here for Apple. Again, though, it really just sort of depends... Smartphone buying now is a uh, a very much a uh, uh, collection of a whole bunch of different buying profiles, right? There's no one thing. It's all fragmented. So, you know, your judgment about a phone is going to be different depending on where you're coming from, what your budget is. If you're a, a every year upgrader, every two, every three, every four, right? Like there's completely different ways to uh, to address it and it's uh you can see it in some of the reviews in some of the the big publications that are trying to kind of frame their iPhone reviews around do you need you know to buy a new phone every year which the answer has been no for a little while now <laughs> if not for a long while but you can see everybody kind of struggling with that all right this wasn't the only new product Uh, There's something else we want to talk about, including how we bought said products. Uh, But let's take a break and thank our second sponsor, and that is our friends over at SaneBox. I'm sure that every single Upgradian has something that they don't like about email, and that is why you should try SaneBox. While it would be lovely, it's not practical to just select all, delete all of your email. There's there's going to be some stuff in there you have to deal with. But one of the big problems about email is that all email from the face of it looks the same. Like At a glance, it's so difficult to try and decipher which messages need your attention. It's just this big, long list. Wouldn't it be lovely if your email could be pre-sorted before it even hits your inbox? That is what Sandbox is all about. Sandbox sorts through your email and moves all of the trivial stuff to different folders, so the only messages in your inbox are the ones that you actually need to deal with. And the great thing is that it will work seamlessly with your current system and with any app. One of the best features of Sandbox is called the black hole. So if you get an email from an unwanted sender and they keep bugging you, right? Like, hey, answer this email, answer this email, and you don't want anything to do with it, take that email, put Put it into the black hole and you will never hear from that person ever again. With Sanebox, you can also set up email reminders, snooze your email, and so much more. One of the things that I love about Sanebox is uh, the Sane News folder, which collects all of the email newsletters that I subscribe to. I, I love a lot of email newsletters, like the Six Colors uh, email newsletter. But the problem with newsletters is they also sit in my inbox with the emails that I need to do for my work stuff. And I love that with Samebox, they can just be put into a different folder. So then when I'm ready to read them, I can go and read them at my leisure rather than them filling up my inbox. So I love that. And to help you get a little more organization in your email inbox, we've worked with Samebox to get you a great deal. Just go to samebox.com slash upgradefm right now, and you'll get a two-week free trial and an extra $25 credit just because you listen to this show. You don't have to do any credit card information unless you decide to buy, so there's nothing to lose. Go check it out today and get your email finally under control. That is S-A-N-E-B-O-X, samebox.com slash upgrade, U-P-G-R-A-D-E-F-M, upgrade. Upgrade FM, samebox.com slash upgrade FM. Our thanks to Samebox for their support of this show and Relay FM. 
So uh, do you want to talk about your Apple Store experience a little bit? Yeah, I think it's worth mentioning that one of the things that it goes on in this week is it's like Christmas in the Apple Store. It's their, one of their busiest weeks of the year. And I went to my local Apple Store, and I think you and Stephen went to a store in Memphis. Is that right? Yeah, we went to a store in Memphis. Uh, Stephen went to pick up the phones, which also included a phone for me, which I didn't know about. And I was mm-hmm. just like playing around with stuff, including trying on the ceramic Apple Watch, which, oh my God, Jason, I'm absolutely in love with. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's bad. It's all, very bad. All your friends could have told you that would happen. Yes, I absolutely <laughs> love the white ceramic uh, Apple Watch. And I'm possibly at the moment trying to hunt one down. No comment. Uh, but uh-huh. I adore it. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we hear from people too. This is a lot of people's only or primary Apple Store experience. Um, I went to on Sunday and got an Apple Watch because I wanted to talk about it on the show and I didn't have one yet because mine wasn't coming until later because they turned on the uh, pre-orders for it while I was covering the event. And so I was a little late in the process. Um, I got an email from an Upgradian named Troy who was talking about his experience on Saturday buying a watch. and, And I think this is an interesting way to frame kind of how apple works with this stuff he said it was bonkers i had to order it standing in the store on my phone for in-store pickup and then choose a pickup window that was three hours later i saw them do this today i went into the store in chicago and they have this little line for if you want to come in and buy stuff and they they were walking people through this process like oh just do this and then they'll text you a pickup window yeah and he Wh- says so why I, I have to choose a pickup window it was three hours later why I have no idea I was there twenty minutes after they opened there were more employees than customers in the store there was no line to pick up a product it's like yeah I mean probably they need some amount of time because they actually have to put the watch and the case together which they which they didn't, but that you don't need three hours. So I, <laughs> now I will, I got mine on Sunday and what I did was I pre-ordered the watch, uh, from the app from my house and then picked the first time, which was a couple hours later and then went and got it. And it took 10 minutes maybe. And I just walked right out with it. Um, but it was a very busy store and they can be pretty chaotic. I, I struggle with Apple's desire to fulfill customers at retail with its taking of pre-orders. And I think Troy's point is a good one, which is why, if there's nobody here, why do I need to wait three hours to get my watch? And why do I have to, why do I have to order it using your app? Can I not just tell you this? Do you have this watch in stock? Can you bring it to me and I'll give you my money? I mean, he used the uh, Futurama shut up and take my money (laughs) image. Like, I mean, really, I think I get why there are extenuating circumstances. But I also look at this and say, this is just weird, Apple. Like, there's, there's nobody there and it's opening time and it's not the first day. It's day two and you have his watch in stock why can you not just take his money and bring him a watch? Even if he has to wait 10 minutes or 20 minutes, why have him go to an app, place an order, and then tell him to come back to right where he's standing three hours later when there's nobody waiting? It doesn't make a lot of sense. I also get frustrated that I pre-ordered the watch on day one, but a little bit late and was told you'll get it on October 1st or you know late September. But the day after they came out, I could literally just walk into my local Apple store and get it, 
which yeah. again i know why they do that because what they don't want is to fulfill all the pre-orders and have it be that if you come to an apple store curious about the new watch they say oh we're back ordered you can't get one for three weeks they're they're worried that they're going to lose walk-in sales they're going to lose casual sales from people who do not think about pre-ordering at the same time i've said it before i'll say it again i kind of want apple to like send me a little ping saying this model that you ordered that's back ordered is also in stock at your local store would you like me to convert this order because i'll, I'll just say that other order is still coming and w- i'm not keeping two watches so Apple is going to take back one of my purchases as a return and have to process it. And that's a cost for them. And that's a cost for them. And so I get not wanting to make it like automatic, but maybe if you've got my watch a mile from my house and I'm supposed to wait here for a week, maybe give me a heads up and say, would you like to just go pick it up today instead and then convert that and then stop that shipment? But that's not how their supply chain and their retail chain are set up right now. And I just, they're, they're like when we were talking about uh, ways of improving haptic touch. It's like, I look at this and I say, this is fixable. There are things that could be done. I don't know all the ins and outs. I don't know all the complexity. I'm sure that they are making difficult decisions. But in what Troy talks about, in what I experience, it's like, I think they could do better. I think they could do a better job with some of this stuff than, uh, and, you know, it's the first iPhone launch for Deirdre O'Brien as the head of retail. Hopefully she and her team will take some lessons away and make some tweaks for next time. But this could still be a better experience because as much as Apple has done to tweak over the last four years, the iPhone upgrade experience, the retail experience, and I also heard from a lot of people, I should say, who got their appointment on day one and went there and then they were in line for an hour. Like that's got to change. You can't, you just can't do it. You can't do it that way. Do you want to talk about the Apple watch series five? Like I've only kind of seen them in stores and I've seen people wearing them and the always on screen, like friends and stuff. The always on screen looks, I think it looks really (sighs) nice. I think they did a great job of it. Yeah. That's, that's the short version of this. We talk about battery life and, and, uh, and, and stuff like that. The camera on the iPhone the feature on the series five is that always on screen like that is why you get a series five and i will tell you mike if i had to choose keep using the series four or keep using the iphone 10s and i don't have to choose (laughs) but if i had to choose if you you had to if i had to choose i would keep using the old iphone because i think the always on display is an enormous feature. It's as enormous as getting the cellular connectivity. And I have the cellular watch as well. And so I can leave my house without my phone and I'm still connected. Like it's a huge leap forward for the watch. And yeah, otherwise the watch is basically the same. Like looks the same uh, unless you're getting like the titanium or the ceramic looks the same, acts the same. It's about as fast. It's all those things are the same, but the always on um, the fact that I'm, I have to retrain myself because I have this whole kind of muscle memory now of aggressively flipping my wrist over to check the time when I, at several times I've caught myself kind of like accessing gestures from back in the day where I wore a watch that showed the time all the time where you just look down at your wrist and, wrist and see the time and then you move on with your life instead of having to lift your wrist and flick it I'm like oh yeah 
That's right. And uh, Lauren is very happy about it because she says she used to sneak glances at my watch to check the time all the time. And ever since I started wearing an Apple watch, it's frustrating because it's just blank and she can't do it. And she has to look somewhere else to try to figure out what time it is. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's a big it's a big deal. I, I like it a lot. Um, there's some weird things about it. The infograph modular face, um, the way they've chosen to do it, it seems, is like when it's dimmed, everything's slightly smaller, which has this effect. I think it's slightly smaller. Uh, I don't think it's an effect of the brightness. But you, when you when you flip it open and it comes active, it's like it kind of like pops up, like it's coming mm. slightly toward you, which is kind of fun, but also kind of weird. Uh, but you know, it's, it's, it's all good. I like it. I'm, I'm so happy that they finally did it. Yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued to play with it more and see like what it would, I'm, I'm in, I'm just intrigued to see if this, if that feature do, would change my Apple Watch experience in the way that I think it would, because it was one of the things that really turned me off of the Apple Watch. So, um, do, do you have anything, anything much more to say about the Apple Watch now, or is this maybe something to follow back up on in future episodes? You and I will follow up once you get your ceramic Apple Watch. We'll talk about it if. some more uh, when. So, um, But in the meantime, uh, the only other thing I would say, and this has come up, it just came up in the chat room. It's come up on Twitter. I've seen it. Um, always on watch display, like the battery life isn't as good. Now, I feel like their battery life was so good that it doesn't matter, um, but... Is is it using battery at a pace that's a little bit greater than the Series 4? It is. Yeah. I, I, I think I've seen that too. And it's hard to tell in the early days because there's all sorts of other weird things that happen when you get a new device and battery life kind of settles over time. Um, but, you know, it seems to me that the battery gets discharged a little bit faster, but I think they had hours to play with. Yeah, I've, I've seen some people that seem to be having weird issues, like Casey, Casey was really struggling with his, but seems like maybe it was a outlier rather than a uh rather than the norm i don't know I, i'm intrigued to see more feedback from people over the period of time where they're getting used to what the battery life changes are like because as you say it may just be like it's fine you know you just charge it every day like you would always but it seems like some people might be struggling a little bit more but that's this is just one of those things we're gonna have to wait and see on i think the battery life stuff um i also wanted to just touch on ios 13 it is buggy on the new phones whoa um I didn't have a ton of it. iOS 13 on my 10s Max was fine. Mm-hmm. It is not fine on my 11 Pro. The camera app sometimes just doesn't open. I can just get left with a blank screen. <laughs> my favorite bug. Well, okay, so there's two. I have two bugs here. Pulling down on the home screen to access Spotlight sometimes is just huge delays. Like I'm just waiting. I can't tap anything. My favorite bug, though, this has happened to me multiple times. I pull down on Spotlight, and every tap that I make just enters the letter Q into the search field. That's all it does. So I tap an app icon, Q. I tap any keyboard letter, Q. Q, 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 over and over again until I swipe up to get rid of it and try again. So, super buggy, but 13.1 is coming now on the 24th, which is tomorrow as we record this, not the 31st. I expect because of stuff like this, right? Like, it's Mm -hmm. buggy, and people have just got their new phones. So Apple have brought 13.1 forward a little bit uh, to probably help some of that stuff. Yeah, it's going to be a busy fall i think in terms of software updates i think apple's mm-hmm. going to keep on pushing them out yeah i've seen the one where um you pull down to search and the keyboard just is invisible that's a yeah. good one i think you that's can still type one. on it too but there there are no nice. keys that are visible Ooh, uh, yeah a there's a, a lot of weird quirks it's funny after a summer of using the betas you get a you kind of get used to the quirks 
Um, and then you have to remind yourself, oh, this is shipping. And it's still a little bit weird. Mm -hmm. It's a work in progress. I'll say I'm a big fan of uh, all of the third-party apps that are shipping with dark modes now. Like, I have way more dark modes, and I'm pleased about mm -hmm. that. Um, and also using the Photos app on my iPhone, which is where I tend to look at my photos, right? Because I hadn't had 13 on uh, my iPhone. I really love it. I love the, the new kind of Photos tab with the days and the way that everything animates, and it, like, shows stuff automatically and does its best to try and, like, choose the best photos to show me for days, months, and years. I think it's really nice. I'm a big fan of that feature, actually. Hmm. So I think that's a really good one, right? Like, I, I think the, the stuff that they've done to photos is actually really nice. Um, I know you are the photos guy. Are you mostly in agreement with, with that assessment? Yeah, there are more editing tools than there used to be. They killed the black and white editing tools, but you can basically get the same effects by using the black and white uh, themes, like their filters, and then you can right. adjust inside them. But uh, there's a lot of uh of new stuff in there i'm still frustrated that you can't do retouching there's no retouching tool on ios so you mm -hmm. have to use a an external app to do that but uh but yeah it's it's good lots of good stuff in there all right and again there's still more to unpack with 13 right like i'm waiting to see a lot of ipad updates with multi-window support i haven't seen a lot of that yet and i'm really keen to see how it's going to change my ipad experience so there's still there's still much more to come with this stuff over the next few weeks i feel like usually at this time of year it's like oh we're gonna go quiet for a bit the new phones are out and this software's out and that's it but i i do feel like this year especially with a lot of the ios 13 stuff it's going to take longer to really gestate than usual to like understand the impact of the software changes so i'm excited about that myself all right today's episode is also brought to you by smile and i want to talk to you about their wonderful service text expander you can unlock your productivity with text expander making everything that you write repetitively available everywhere that you type you can talking about like text spreadsheets web forms or more no matter where you're typing you're going to have these snippets available to you, keeping your messages consistent, accurate, and up-to-date. By sharing snippets of all of your coworkers, you can make sure that everyone is on the same page. Text Expander for Teams is a great collaboration tool. It makes it easy to organize snippets for your support, customer service, and other departments, so you can give your teams only the snippets that they need to make sure that they're keeping everything up-to-date. And we do that here at Relay FM. We work with a bunch of people now. It's wonderful. But we sometimes need to make sure that we've got a consistency in the messaging, that we have the companies that we work with, with so setting up text expander snippets to do that is great so you know the emails that we're sending make sure it has all the necessary information we have fill-in fields so everything's nice and easy to do wonderful love it text expander is available for mac os windows iphone and ipad and chrome as well and show listeners can get 20 percent off their first year just go to textexpander.com slash podcast that is textexpander.com slash podcast if you've been meaning to try it out do it now textexpander.com slash podcast for that 20 percent off your first year i thanks to textexpander for their support of this show and all of relay fm so it's time for some hashtag ask upgrade questions jason first one comes from greg greg wants to know what is your stance on sharing locations of your friends and family with find my do you care that your friends can see where you are at all times do you toggle your location on and off i don't toggle my location on and off i don't care that my friends can see where i am at all times if i had a kind of random friend who was close to me like, if I had a friend who I was sharing location with who was, like, in my town or in my nearby, in my region, I might feel a little bit weird about it. But most of my friends are far away. 
And when they travel, I can see that they are off in another place and I can send them a little note saying, ah, you know, like Lex Friedman is a find my friends friend of mine and he travels so much and it's very, it's, it's really fun to be like, where's Lex today? (laughs) Oh, he's in LA today. Okay. He's in New York city today. Now he's in Seattle. Like he gets around and it's fun. And I can see that, you know, you, your dot and Steven's dot are together in Memphis. That's really fun. So it just doesn't bug me. If it did bug me, I wouldn't share my location, but in most cases it's more kind of novel. And then when we're together, it's actually very convenient. Um, I will say, I will admit it here. My mother, knows my location at all times. And that does lead to her occasionally sending me a text saying, oh, I see you were at this location. Um, But you know what? I think it makes her feel good and it doesn't really bother me because I like, and I could totally turn off my location if I wanted her to not see where I was, but I don't care. So yeah, for me, it's just a personal choice for me. uh, I think it's just kind of fun and it's not a big deal. And my family, it's basically, that's an agreed upon thing in our family is that, um, you know, for for safety reasons and also for parenting reasons, um, we keep our locations shared at all times. I am in agreement with you on everything. Uh, so, yeah, I'm big thumbs up. Uh, Ryan says, how hot does it get to wear a suit for six hours in a studio? So... Ryan's referring to the podcast-a-thon. I was mm-hmm. wearing uh, a lovely jacket, and so it's like a, basically a suit. I was wearing like a whole suit, effectively. Um, but that studio is a very, very professional studio they have in St. Jude. So the temperature control was wonderful. I was perfectly comfortable for the entire time. Usually when we do live shows, I'm a big, hot, sweaty mess by the end of it. Mm. But this one was awesome. So it was perfectly fine to wear for six hours. Uh, Brian asks... Now that iOS 13 and many apps are giving dark mode away for free, what will this mean for apps that treat dark mode as a premium feature behind a subscription? Great question. Because this has been a thing for a while, right? Where applications have been including, hey, you want to sign up for our premium? You also get themes in dark mode. But now dark mode is becoming way more expected because the system does it. So my kind of feeling on this really is that I'm sorry, but I think developers have to give it up now. I think this is a feature you have to give up. Yeah, I think that everybody's going to make their own decisions, but my gut feeling is that that's going to need to move out into just a regular feature, and you'll need yeah. to come you up with some other. You can have multiple feature. dark mode themes that sure. are, you pay for, right? But like, sh- I think for a lot of apps, there should be a standard dark mode. But then you could have different colors and stuff like that, and you could make people pay for those. But the idea of being able to just toggle a dark mode on and putting it behind a paywall, I think that time may may have come to an end. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the, it's, it's the best practice is you should be uh, available in light and dark mode if you're I in think so. app. Yeah. Yep. Matthew asks, uh, I hope that if Disney Plus supports the TV app, that it will get Netflix to reconsider. What do you think the odds are of this? I think Disney Plus is going to gonna, you know, on, be on the Apple TV app and, and have connectivity to the TV app, but um netflix you know netflix data they feel very proprietary about i don't what are the odds that netflix is gonna give apple access to its data very low slim i also you know i I, i've had disagreements with friends on this but i think you will agree with me netflix doesn't need it netflix will get nothing for for doing this right like i know it's a better user experience but Netflix is still dominant. Netflix is like a whole different thing to streaming. It's like there are streaming services and then there's Netflix. It's like a whole different thing all of its own now. I I don't think it hurts them to not be a part of the Apple TV app. I think the most likely scenario would be that Netflix and Apple would make a deal that would be basically Apple caving. 
where Apple would yes. allow Netflix to provide less than what they're supposed to provide as a partner. Mm-hmm. And the danger in that is that other partners will then want that deal. Like if Apple goes to Netflix and says, well, could you give us like a feed of like the five most recently viewed things or something like that? But, you know, Netflix response is going to be if we update that feed all the time, you now have a complete viewing history for every customer of ours who's also on your platform. And we don't want to give you that. And I see, I can see why. So, I don't know. I think it's not very likely. Brian asks, should I get a PS4 or Xbox controller to use with Apple Arcade games? I have a Switch with Pro controllers, but those aren't compatible. So it's the same question that they got on Ask ATP this week, I think it oh, is. Oh, was it? Well, yeah. well, no, I'm taking it because okay. this is our segment, damn it. Xbox. So you like the Xbox better than the... PS4? The Xbox controller is more comfortable than the PlayStation controller, in my opinion. John Syracuse basically said you should try them both if you can. Go to a friend's house or go to a Microsoft store or whatever. Whatever you need to do because different people have different hands and they might find one more comfortable than the other. I agree with that, but I think the Xbox one is the more comfortable. Like That is my... If you can't do what John says... I mean, you could probably go to a Best Buy and hold them both, right? Mm -hmm. Like You could go to a store where they'll have gaming setups and you could hold them yep um bring but I some hand sanitizer xbox, with you <laughs> yeah please but xbox controllers i think are more ergonomically designed All than right. a playstation controller yep uh, and rajiv asks does silence unknown callers in ios 13 work on just calls with unknown caller ids or are all numbers that are not in your contact list silenced for instance if i order a pizza and the pizza place calls me to confirm the order would that call be silenced by this option so I did some digging around in settings, and it's, the setting says, Incoming calls will continue to ring from people in your contacts, recent outgoing calls, and serious suggestions. So my expectation would probably be that unless you had the pizza place in your contacts, it's probably not going to ring. No. If you called the pizza place to make the order, and they call if you, you back. you called, yes, yes. But I'm thinking that maybe it was made online, and then oh. they call. That's well, my then, thinking, right? Because that's how I would make Then you'd need them in your contacts, or it wouldn't ring. Yeah. Yep. Or unless somehow Sirius picked it up. Yeah. Um, I would. I like the thought of this feature, but I'm not going to turn it on because I can imagine too many scenarios that makes me nervous. Like, what if I have a family member in the hospital and hospital calls? Like, and I know that they might leave a message board if they don't. I just haven't turned this on yet. Um, I don't know if I'm going to. Uh, they d- I get it. Like, but I don't get a. I get. I would say an average amount of spam calls. If I was getting bombarded with them, like I know some people, some of my friends are, I would turn it on. But it's not that bad for me right now, especially considering my phone is pretty much always on Do Not Disturb anyway. So it's not really a thing that bothers me. But have you turned that feature on? I haven't, but um, I might. Maybe it's worth trying out. I don't know, but we'll see. Thank you to everybody that sent in a hashtag ask upgrade question. Just send out a tweet with that hashtag and it may be included for a future episode. Um, if you want to find show notes for this week, you can go to relay.fm slash upgrade slash 264. Uh, Jason, I'm sure you're working on some big articles right now over at sixcolors.com. You know, reviews and some more features of iOS 13. You know, the usual. The huge. Uh, you can also follow Jason. He's at Jasonell on Twitter. I am at iMike, I M Y K E. If you want to see some of the photos I'm taking with my new iPhone, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm iMike on Instagram as well. Uh, go to stjude.org slash pineapple to donate. We're still donating, uh, still raising money until the end of September. So we've still got a week to go. So you can still go and donate. Yes, we have raised over a quarter of a million dollars due to your wonderful 
incredible generosity. But if you still haven't donated to St. Jude, you still can. And don't forget the Podcast-a-thon video uh, is available now on YouTube, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well in case you want to go and watch our hijinks. Um, thanks again to our sponsors this week, the fine folk over at Sanebox, Zapier, and Smile. Um, and we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snell. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.